This evening we're going to consider the sovereignty of God, looking at Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through to 16. Although the world teaches that we are essentially good, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. If you read the Bible, you'll know that it teaches that we are essentially bad. We've seen that in this epistle to the Romans. There is none good, no, not one. All have sinned, all come short of the glory of God. Consequently, as has already been pointed out on previous occasions, many times in fact, Christ Jesus was nailed to a cross and lifted up to die, not for good people, but for bad people, for sinners. And on the cross he bare away their sins in his own body as the sacrificial lamb of God. Makes sense, doesn't it, that uh, Jesus was not crucified for good people. The Bible teaches, as I say, that all have sinned, all come short of the glory of God, and if you can appreciate at least something of the sinfulness of sin and of the magnitude of man's rebellion against his maker, almighty God, then hopefully you will also appreciate that if God did not choose people for salvation through faith in his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the number of genuine Christians in the world would be precisely zero. And that is because unconverted, unregenerate people are simply too wicked to ever make a decision for Christ. There are Christians who simply do not grasp the magnitude and the depth of man's depravity. I'm saying Christians here who do not understand And consequently, they believe that God leaves it to us to choose to become Christians in accordance with our free will. Those dear deluded people who believe that do not appreciate just how much so unregenerate people are held captive to sin and to the God of this world, the devil. What can be seen in Romans chapter 9 is that irrespective of whether we are talking about the Jews according to the flesh or anyone else for that matter, God has mercy on some and others he hardens, having predestined some to be saved from their sins and the others to be damned. Looking now at Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through to 3, Paul said, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that my self were accursed from Christ from my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What the Apostle Paul was about to say concerning his countrymen 
the Jews might lead some people to think that he'd had enough of the Jewish nation. He was fed up with them. He didn't like them. After all, they had treated him, a fellow Jew, by birth, shamefully. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, Paul said, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, and he said a whole lot more about the 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 treatment that he received at the hands of his countrymen. The reason for his shameful treatment is very simple. It was because he preached Christ crucified for sinners and raised again for their justification. Paul suffered the reproach of Christ at the hands of a nation that had, by and large, rejected Jesus and crucified him. The fact of the matter is that throughout history, the Jewish nation, Jews, had persecuted and killed the prophets who were sent to them by God to proclaim and point them in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. When finally Jesus came into the world, they killed him too. As Stephen, who was himself martyred because he preached about Jesus, This is what he said to the Jews before being stoned to death. In Acts chapter 7, verses 51 and 52, Stephen said to the Jews, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one. The just one is Jesus. Of whom ye have now, have been now the betrayers and murderers. And for those words, Stephen was stoned to death. Even so, Paul dispelled any thoughts or accusations that he now hated his fellow countrymen. That's not how it was. He did not hate them for the way they treated Jesus, nor did he hate them for the way he treated they treated him. And let's not forget that before the Apostle Paul was converted and became a Christian, he too persecuted the Lord, uh, the church. And when he was on the road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him in blinding light and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So Paul, in these opening verses, he's making it very clear that he doesn't hate his countrymen. He was about to explain that not all of the Jewish people are predestined to be saved from their sins, to be justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But before he did that, he he said what he said in those verses there, in verses 1 and 3. 1 to 3. And by saying that, he was exhibiting a Christ-likeness in that he wished for himself to be cursed for his countrymen. The Lord Jesus Christ was cursed 
he took upon himself the curse of the law on the cross by becoming a curse for the elect of God. Jews and Gentiles alike when their sins were laid upon him. And so we see here that Christ-likeness from Paul in verse 3 where he says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. For ethnic Jews, in other words. Let's have a look at verses 4 and 5. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all God, blessed forever. Amen. In those verses, we have a list of advantages that Paul's countrymen, the Jews, had. First of all, Paul said, who are Israelites? Of all the nations in the world, the most honourable was to be an Israelite. As God said to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people upon the face of the earth. Those words were spoken in Moses' time after the Lord delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. According to Romans chapter 9 and verse 4, to the Israelites pertaineth the adoption. The nation of Israel was chosen and adopted by God in a way that no other nation was. Their election and adoption points to a spiritual reality Namely, the adoption of the elect of God, of Christians, whether they be Jews or Gentiles. Together, they make up one holy nation. Also in verse 4, we see that to Israel pertaineth the glory, which may be a reference to the Shekinah glory or the visible manifestation of God, such as when he led the ancient Israelites in a pillar of cloud by day and uh, and in a pillar of fire by night in the wilderness. Also theirs is the covenants. Ultimately, there is one covenant of grace, but that one covenant has been revealed more fully in the passage of time through various other covenants which God has given to mankind through Israel, through the Jews. For example, God made a covenant with Abraham, who was the father of the tribes of Israel, and he is also the father of the faithful. To Israel was given the law. They had the requirements of God's law, including the Ten Commandments given to them at Sinai. Also in verse 4, we see that Israel had the service of God. Whilst all the other nations were left to their superstitions and their worthless idols, Israel had the tabernacle, the temples and clearly defined worship of the Lord. They received the promises. 
the Lord made promises to Abraham and to his seed. For example, the word of the Lord came to Abraham and said to him in Genesis chapter 15, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said to him, So shall thy seed be. Imagine that, looking up in the sky, in the in the desert there, in the wilderness, probably an untold number of stars. Count them if you can. How many are there? So shall your seed be. The promise of God to Abraham. In verse 5, the list of blessings upon Israel continues with the fathers. Primarily, that refers to Abraham, who received the promise from God that all nations on the earth shall be blessed through his seed. Also, the fathers refer to Abraham's son Isaac, and Isaac's son Jacob, whom God named Israel. Furthermore, the fathers refers to Moses and to the prophets of God. Still in verse 5, it is written, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. Have a look at that. And of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. That is a declaration of the humanity of Christ. But can you see in those words, there is also a suggestion that there is something else concerning Jesus. And so there is. Paul goes on to say, who is over all, God blessed forever. Meaning that the man Christ Jesus is over all, God blessed forever. To that, along with Paul, we say Amen. Not surprisingly, Romans chapter 9 and verse 5, which speaks of the two natures of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he he is human and that he is divine, is supported elsewhere in the scriptures, such as in John chapter 1 and verse 1, where Jesus is referred to as the Word, and it is written, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Another verse is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it is written, God was manifest in the flesh. Let's move on to verse 6. Not as though the word of God have taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. They are not all Israel which are of Israel. At the beginning of the chapter, Paul expressed deep sorrow for his countrymen, the Jews. That sorrow was the kind of sorrow that any believer in Jesus might have towards others that are not saved, and perhaps particularly his own countrymen, his own nation. However, from verse 6 onwards, Paul makes it very clear that his sorrow for the Jewish nation does not for one moment suggest that God is not true to his promise of spiritual blessings such as salvation and everlasting life when it comes to the Jewish nation. 
When Paul says, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, that is the same sentiment that is expressed in chapter 2, verse 28-29. It's worth looking back at that. Chapter 2, the last couple of verses in chapter 2. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. What needs to be understood is that God's promise of salvation blessings were never intended to be fulfilled in every single Jew. Although, as we have seen, Israel has enjoyed tremendous earthly blessings and honour from God, salvation blessings are not the portion of every Jew. Paul said, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. There are those who are of Israel according to the flesh, and then there are those who are also the spiritual Israel, the Israel of God, which consists of Jews and Gentiles alike, who have been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that not all ethnic Jews are of the Israel of God means that there are nevertheless some who are spiritual Jews and they do have circumcised heart. Can you see that? They are not all Israel which are of Israel. That means that there are some who are the Israel of God, spiritual Jews with circumcised hearts. I hope this makes sense to you. Think about it even today. It would be ridiculous to think that every single one of the 13 million or so Jews in the world are or ever will be born again and trusting in Jesus as their saviour from sin and as their Lord. My, I've got a very good friend in London. He was my best man when I got married in this church. He's a Jew. I don't know what tomorrow ho- holds, but... Um, He has no interest in the gospel at all. No interest in Jesus. That's how it is for many Jews. However, there are some who are or will be graciously saved from their sins through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible refers to those Jews as the remnant. For example, look at verse 27. Esaias also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. A remnant, a believing remnant. For one thing, what this means is that rather than exalt the entire ungodly and Christ-rejecting modern state of Israel, as certain Christians tend to do, Pray that Jews would repent and receive Jesus 
as their saviour from sin. You can pray that prayer with the certain knowledge that God has reserved himself for himself a remnant. And you will be praying biblically when you pray that they would repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Let's move on, verses 7 through to 13. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called, that is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed, for this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, The elders shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. The Jewish mentality largely was and still is that they are the children of God. And they are the children of God by virtue of them being physical descendants of Abraham. However, Jesus had something to say to the unbelieving Jews who claimed Abraham and God as their father. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus said to them, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Can you imagine those Jews, those proud Jews who have gone through life being told that they are God's children They and to be told, well actually your father's the devil. Paul shows that there is a difference or a distinction among the descendants of Abraham with some of them being the children of promise and the others not. This is much the same as we've been covering already. Not all Israel are of Israel and you've got spiritual Jews with circumcised hearts and you've got the Jews who are just Jews outwardly with circumcised flesh. It really is the same train of thought. So Paul shows there is a difference amongst the descendants of Abraham, with some being the children of promise and the others not. The example of Isaac is given in verses 7 through to 9. Isaac, he was Abraham's son. Fourteen years before Isaac was born to Abraham, another son was born to him. His name was Ishmael and his mother was Hagar, an Egyptian. She was the handmaid of Abraham's wife, Sarah, who was barren, not able to have children. However, when Abraham was 100 years old, 
and his wife Sarah was a hundred, uh, 90 years old, 90. She who was barren miraculously gave birth to Isaac. And it was him and not his older brother Ishmael who was the child of promise. As God said to Abraham, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Furthermore, Isaac had twins by his wife Rebekah. Their names were Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the child of promise, despite being born after his brother Esau. God's favour being upon Jacob and not Esau had nothing to do with what the two brothers did or did not do. It was upon, God's favour was upon Jacob long before he or his brother had any chance to do any good or evil. Quite simply, as it is written in verse 13, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. What can be deduced from the fact that God chose Isaac, who was born miraculously and not his older brother Esau, and the fact that God chose Jacob, whom he loved, and not his twin brother Esau, whom he hated, is that God has respect to nothing other than his own purpose. That is God's primary consideration, his own purpose. And even if a person can rightly claim to be a physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, that in itself does not necessarily mean that he is a child of God. Ultimately, the children of God are people who, having been chosen by God in eternity, are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In the fullness of time, such people receive the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as their Saviour from sin, in accordance with God's purpose, according to his good pleasure. They are the spiritual seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise of God. Therefore, it really is all about God's sovereign choice according to his purpose. As Paul said in, about God in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world begun. Again, long before you and I ever did anything. God had made his choice. And that applies equally to Jews and to Gentiles. As Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28-29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ. Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. Speaking to you, dear Christian, Abraham's seed 
and an heir according to the promise. Whether you're male, female, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. Bond or free. What these verses ought to do is strip away any fanciful ideas that you might have that salvation and being a child of God are in any way influenced by position, ancestry or good deeds. In verses 14 to 15, Paul anticipates and answers an objection. Let's look at verses 14 through to 16. Paul does this from time to time, doesn't it? He raises an objection and then he answers it. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth but of God that showeth mercy. If Paul was right, which of course he was, one might dare to accuse God of being unfair. Paul's answer to that is an emphatic no, God is not unfair. Paul was quoting Old Testament scripture, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 19, when in verse 15 he said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. In other words, God will bestow his favours or withhold them as seems good to him. God is a debtor to no man. All are lost and guilty in Adam. Your salvation is in no way procured by your will or your efforts. It is entirely due to the mercy and the compassion of God. Finally, are you Abraham's seed and are you an heir according to the promise of God? You'll know that you are if God has been merciful towards you and you are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin. If that is you, You are the Israel of God, a spiritual Jew. A subject of divine election. As Spurgeon said, and I'll finish with this, you have no room for boasting, for the sovereignty of God most effectually excludes it. The Lord's will alone is glorified, And the very notion of human merit is cast out to everlasting contempt. There is no more humbling doctrine in scripture than that of election, none more promotive of gratitude and consequently none more sanctifying. Do not be afraid of it, but adoringly rejoice in it. As I do, and I thank God that he does choose some for salvation and and, you know forevermore you could ask yourself why does he choose anyone people might think it's unfair that he hated Esau Jacob I have loved but Esau 
I have hated. Far better to think like this. Why did God love any of them? In fact, why does God love me? And thank God, if you're a Christian, that he does love you and he has loved you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, he has drawn you to his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And glory to him. Amen.